I would ask you to turn your Bible to Galatians in chapter 2. How many of you have ever been told, well, the better part of valor, I mean, the better part of valor is compromise, or you really need to be, be able to compromise to get along and go along. You ever heard of that? Um, how many of you have uh, heard the idea that being uncompromising is a negative trait? I would like to challenge that theory this morning. I would like to challenge the idea of being that uncompromising is a negative thing. We're going to begin in chapter 2 and we're going to read verses 11 through verse 21. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, in the presence of all, if you being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? We are Jews by nature and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ. And not by the works of the law. Since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. But if while seeking to be justified in Christ. We ourselves have been, been also have been found sinners. Is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I once destroyed. I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I, live, which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and I thank you for the example that we have of Paul here. I thank you for his desire to not compromise the truth. And so, Father, I pray that we will be uncompromising when it comes to your word. That we'll be uncompromising in our love for you. We'll be uncompromising in our decisions to follow you. And to place you first in all of our lives. And so this morning I ask you to speak to each one of us. I pray that our hearts will be challenged and encouraged. And Father, I pray that you will lead us to where you would have us to go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning when we talk about being uncompromising, we're going to focus on... The hypocrisy that he mentions here, we're going to focus 
on what it means to be justified by faith and what it, what happened when we were truly changed. And so he begins, Paul begins by talking about his opposition to Peter's hypocrisy. But what happened? Peter had been eating with the Gentiles until men from James showed up. Then Peter withdrew from the Gentiles because he was fearful of those who came. And additionally, he got the Jews and even Barnabas involved. Either that or they did. Somebody did. And Paul called that hypocrisy. By hypocrisy, when we use the words as somebody is a hypocrite, what do we generally mean? They say one thing and do another, right? Isn't that the, the label that the world tried to lay on the church years ago? That's filled with hypocrites? I used to tell them, you're, you're right, you'll fit right in. Because the truth is, there's things we all believe that we don't act on. And wouldn't that be true? If we're honest. Okay? So we've admitted that we're hypocrites. Okay, so now that that's off the table, we can move forward now. But what they were doing here is the hypocrisy that they were talking about is they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. See, Jesus died for all men. And anyone who puts faith in him will be saved. There is nobody that is out of the reach of what Jesus did on the cross. There are groups out there today that will tell you that Jesus died for the elect. That Jesus only died for some. That there are some who are chosen and some who are not. Let me tell you something. Jesus died for every man and woman. Otherwise, the offer of the gospel is a joke. Otherwise, he's asked us to lie. He doesn't do that. When Jesus died, the Bible says the sin of the world was placed on him. That's what it says. And so we can either believe it at what it says, or we can come up with our own idea. The gospel is for everyone. Now, you have to understand a little bit about the culture. Because back then, the Jews considered themselves the chosen people of God. He had picked them to reveal himself to the world through, so that everybody could get to know him, so they could see his holiness. And he revealed himself through them to the world. And they started to consider themselves special. And they are special. In the Jewish nation, in the story of God, even though the gospel has come to us, is still special in the plans of God. We see that later when you get into Revelation and some of the unfolding of end times things. But we have been grafted in. We have been adopted into the family. And so the gospel is for everybody. And what they were doing is Peter started to withdraw himself from the Gentiles, was communicating to them that you are less than God's chosen people. Instead of saying, if you have faith in Christ, you join God's chosen people. And that's where part of their hypocrisy had come from. It was also hypocrisy because he knew it was okay 
to live like the Gentiles, but he did not give them the same freedom and try to compel the Gentiles to live like Jews. So he understood freedom in Christ. He understood that when you walk into a relationship with Christ, you now fulfill the law. Not because of behavior, but because of relationship. And as the relationship manifests itself out, the behavior changes. You know, people talk about, you know, I got to clean my life up before I come to God. Really? If you could have cleaned it up, you would have already done it. We come to God broken, crying out for a Savior. And He takes us in and He cleans us up. If we had to clean ourselves up, why would the ministry of the Holy Spirit be to convict of sin if we no longer had any? That's His job. We don't, we don't, (laughs) that's not our job. It's not the job of the church to deal with other people's sin. Did you know that? That's been a big mistake I think the church in general has made. The Bible tells us, you ever heard this? The Bible tells us that this book is the sword of the spirit. You ever heard that before? Anybody ever heard that? If I have a sword, who gets to yield my sword? I do, right? It's not a trick question. Y'all looked at me like, this looks like one of those trick questions. (laughs) I do. So if this is the sword of the Spirit, who yields it? The Spirit of God. We don't take God's work and do it. We let the Spirit of God do that. Now we study and we reason together. We take a look at God's Word. Because can there be differing views on God's Word? Absolutely there can be. And so we have to search the scriptures together. That's what made the Thessalonians a mature church. Not because they had all the answers, because they were seeking the answers. Being a seeking church, a, a seeking of truth matters. Because if we're honest and starting here, I'm, I can tell you my doctrine, I'm sure, is not pure. I'm sure there's things God has yet to show me. At least I hope there is. You know, I don't know it all. I'm still learning. I, I see new things every day in God's Word that I had not seen before. And that's the process we should be on together. And as we submit to the Holy Spirit, He's going to tell us the same things. If we need to know them. There's things in there that don't matter. As far as viewpoint goes, as far as walking with the Lord goes... Let me be clear, every word in God's word matters. But if we if we look at the what's the shortest verse in the Bible, anybody? Jesus wept. Some people think he wept because of their unbelief. Because Lazarus had died. Other people think that he wept because their brother had died, he felt their pain, and he was empathizing with them. That's not a dividing point, folks. We can hold those views and still walk together. People see things different. Maybe it's both. <laughs> Nobody ever contemplates that. I've never heard that view until just a second. Maybe it's both. Have you ever wept and it's been like a, a bunch of things that just brought you to that place of tears? 
We can conceive it and have experienced it ourselves, but never apply that to Christ. It has to be only one thing. And so we have to be careful. See, he was, he was trying to add back the law to grace. He was trying to take them back in time to where it's faith plus the law to be right with God. Let me tell you something. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are righteous. You have a right relationship with God. Now the enemy is going to whisper in your head, well, you don't know what, I, you don't know what I've done. He'll say it in the first person. And the truth is, I'm gonna, uh, let me give you the response to that. Do you know what Jesus has done for me? He died to take away the sin of the world. Did Jesus fail at his task? Then he's taken it away. The enemy would like to make you live under condemnation. Now, culturally, they were very comfortable with that. We culturally are as well. We are good or bad based upon what we do, right? I'm a good boy if I do this, or and I, I get good grades, and I keep my room clean, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not a good boy if I don't do those things. Behavioral-based acceptance is what we live under, and that's not how God loves you. Parents, how many of you have ever had a child that did something wrong? Mm-hmm. I'm going to tee it up. Somebody's going to hate it. <laughs> did you still love your children or did you stop loving them? It got close a couple times then. But you don't ever stop loving them. But yet we thank God whose love's infinitely greater than ours ever could be, loves and doesn't love based upon what we do. Even though we know how easy you don't stop loving them, you may be disappointed, you may your heart might even be broken because it might have been something that was really important that you felt they should stay away from. But you don't ever stop loving. And that's how God is with us. And so They had hypocrisy that they were dealing with here. He was presenting, his behavior was presenting something different than the gospel. And he called it out. So we have to be careful that what we say and what we do matches. And here's the thing, folks. If we really take a good look at our life, we need to be honest with that. We have to be honest with that. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. Wouldn't it be nice to say, oh yeah, mine matches. Until just now when I had pride because I thought mine matched on every point. I mean, that's the, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. And so he's dealing with their hypocrisy. Because he was unwilling to compromise the truth of the gospel... Because if we compromise the gospel, what hope does the world have? They have no hope. 
If we just tell people what they want to hear, we're going to have a lot of people in the seats, but we can, they ain't going to be joining us in, in, the, <laughs> in eternity. And they're also not going to be a part of what God's doing in the moment. Because they won't know Him. There's even people doing... You know how I know works are not the key? Because there's a verse in Scripture that talks about guys coming before Jesus Christ and saying, didn't we, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we preach in your name? They were doing the works of God. He said, depart from me for I never knew you. It's not about works. That is not how we come to know him. So then how are we justified? Well, next, Paul attacks the problem they were waffling about. How are we justified? This is a problem that is, is unaddressed, I think, in today's world. How are we justified? Do my good deeds outweigh my bad and that's how I get into heaven? Am I justified by being a good person and not breaking any of the big ones? How am I justified? He starts with their comfort zone. He says, We're, we are Jews and not sinners. We're not Gentiles. The Jews, as God's chosen people, believed they were safe and would be delivered by God as they kept His word as He eliminated the Gentiles. So their justification that they believed in was by identity and obedience. Because I'm a Jew and as I obey God, because if you go back in the law, there's a lot of if-then. If you do this, then I'll do this. If you do this, then I'll do this. So there's this behavioral acceptance almost built into the law. And so they were trained by it. They grew up with it. And so Paul begins to address the justification by nationality and obedience they clung to by telling them they are not justified by works, but through faith in Christ. You're not justified by those things. They don't make you right. They don't make you just if I had never sinned. That helps you to remember what justified means. That's how you stand before God. Just if I had never sinned. Justified. Isn't that cool? How many of you deserve that? None of us do. That's the whole point of grace. It's good stuff, man. We had an old pastor used to say, if that don't light your fire, your wood is wet. <laughs> I have a million of these country sayings that have been holding out on you for a while. <laughs> That's how it is. It's by faith in Christ. And when you put your faith in Christ, it completely changes you from the inside out. That's why it was hypocritical to withdraw. Because it's the same salvation for all mankind. I don't care if you're red, yellow, black and white, Jewish, Iranian, American, English. 
If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Amen. And he will change you from the inside out. So that's how we're justified. <clears throat> the church historically is given an additional list of rules that are tied to grace. Well, now that you're saved, you need to go do this and this. Everybody ever done that? You need to go read John and you need to pray and you have your quiet time every day and you need to do this. And you know what I found? If you don't tell people that, they do it automatically because they're saved. It's part of the outflow of the Spirit of God within them. He is able. If they come to you asking for guidance, then that's the Holy Spirit opening that door. Be careful that you don't drive a truck through a two-foot door. That's what we want to do because we're excited and we have to be careful that we don't create grace law. That's what I call it. That's my term. That may be the title of my book if I ever write one. <clears throat> grace law. How grace law de destroys the joy of salvation. Because the law, according to Romans 5, was meant to bring death and increase sin. It says it. I didn't write it. I'm not smart enough to come up with stuff like this. <clears throat> so why, do we do, why don't we just celebrate them? You know what is traditionally told people? Well, go read John, and if you have any questions, call me. How's your quiet time going? And when I miss a quiet time because I'm either sick or I got up late. Anybody ever wake up late? You ever sleep through the alarm? The the um, <laughs> the snooze bar is within reach. I knew people that had three alarms. They used to put one across the room so that they'd have to get out of bed and go turn it off. <laughs> The people I knew weren't in this room until now. <laughs> so now I'm adding to my list. <laughs> and you're rushing around and you're going, man, it's hard to have a quiet time like that. Everybody says you got to do it in the morning. Man, in the morning, how many, how many morning people do we have in here? <laughs> uh, Anderson, one. Thank you, Anderson. Anderson, you're exempt from this then. <clears throat> my mind works better at night. And so I used to have my quiet times at night. And then sleep on it. Well, but Jesus did it in the morning. Jesus was a morning person. <laughs> I don't think it matters. As long as you're spending time with it. Out of joy because you want to. Not because somebody tells you you have to. How many of you like doing things you have to? <laughs> exactly the same response. You ever been excited about something and had somebody ruin it? Right? That's what I think has happened in the Christian life. So... I'm going to try to unwind that with my last point this morning. 
Paul, finally, Paul wants us to understand who we truly are. Because we bought into this other that's not true. We were truly changed. Listen, according to these verses, you cannot be both a sinner and justified in Christ. <laughs> Y'all are all giving me the same look. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it to you. But if we, while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live unto God. We cannot be Christians and sinners at the same time. We can be Christians who sometimes still sin. But that's not who we are. See, there's an old song. We've all heard it. We all grew up with it. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. There's one wrong word in there. The word am. I was just a sinner saved by grace. See, if I accept the idea that I'm still a sinner, then I justify myself in still sinning. Because if that's who I am, I just can't help myself. You ever heard that? I've heard that excuse from tons of people. Well, I struggle with this and I just can't help it. That's who I am. No, it's not who you are. If you're a Christian, if you're lost, yeah, that's who you are. That's true. And so we're not called. God doesn't save us and leave us in a sin state. That's why he kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. For fear that they would go and eat of the fruit and live forever in a fallen state. He doesn't leave us as sinners. When he saved you, he transformed you from the inside out. You're a brand new creation. We need to accept that and explore it and say no to this junk that the world and the church has tried to put on us. For years about, well, I'm still just a sinner and I'm always going to have struggle with this. I'm always going to have, you don't, you struggle with it because you don't understand who you are. That's why I struggle with the things that I struggle with because I don't really understand who I are, who I am. That I'm really free from that. That's the facts. See, the truth is truth is true regardless which way it cuts. We better not be protecting ourselves from the truth. We better be embracing the truth and denying ourselves instead of getting involved. See, he says here that our sin was destroyed. Let me tell you something Christ does not rebuild it. He said, What I destroyed. If Christ destroys something, is he thorough? <laughs> Everything he does is perfect, right? He doesn't do a poor job at it. He said, if I rebuild what I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. So it's destroyed. It's gone. It's gone. Well, I'm never going to live 
You know, I, I'm always going to struggle. Well, we're always going to sin. You ever heard that one? We're just, we're always just going to do it. We're going to sin. We can't help it. Really? Is that what your Bible says? I know some of you are going to like this, but I also know why. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Doesn't he tell us to walk in the spirit? And, and when you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of what? The flesh. Do I have the ability as a Christian to walk in the Spirit? Yes or no? Yes. Can I sin while I'm doing that? <laughs> that became unclear. No. I can't walk. The Spirit's not going to lead me into sin. I cannot sin. When I walk in the Spirit, it's not possible. And I have the ability to do that. You have Victory over all sin, over everything the enemy wants to lie to you about and tell you that there is no hope. Give it up. It's going to always be there. That's not true. You're free. When he freed you, he did it completely. It says here, through the law, we died to the law so that we could live to God. See, the law brought death, ladies and gentlemen. The law brings death. When there's a rule, it brings death. So when you put rules on Christians to try to cause certain behavior, it brings death. Now, let me deal with the next thought that I know the enemy is going to put into your head. Well, then I can just do whatever. God has already forgiven all that. So I'll take care of it. I can live however. Paul dealt with that in Romans. Because the truly saved Christians who are in love with Christ, who have been truly forgiven, don't, aren't looking for that opportunity to go sin. They're looking for the opportunity to draw near, to understand Him, to hear His voice, to let Him reveal Himself to them, to be used by Him, to glorify Him with their life. Genuine Christians will not pursue sin when they realize they're free in Christ. They will, out of gratitude, serve Him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. The problem is, is we're trying to clean up the lost today. We're trying to polish the lost and make them look good. So that we can have big auditoriums and fill them with people who don't know the Lord. That's the truth. So we can say we go to such and such church. Or we go to so and so's church. Don't ever, ever use my name in relation to this church. Ever. This is not Mark's church. This church belongs to Jesus Christ because he died for you. This is his place. I am a servant just like you. And I will do this as long as he asks me to do it. And as soon as he tells me I'm done, I'm done. He hasn't said that. <laughs> so some of you can keep praying. <laughs> but I'm telling you, this world is grasping for truth today. They're trying to twist stories and make truth what they want it to be. And somebody 
has to draw the line and say, this is what truth is. And that's what we are called to as Christians. Be uncompromising. That is my argument to you today. That being uncompromising is not a negative thing. It depends what you're being uncompromising about. I will never compromise Christ. And then we play the what if game. Well, what if somebody came in with a gun? We would shoot them in a way where we could ask them later if you were to die today. If you didn't know. That's terrible. I know a church that put up a sign and said, if you come in here with a gun, realize our people are armed and we will fire at will. That's the world we live in, though. So don't think you're going to come in and pick off chickens in the, you know, shooting, what is it, shooting, what's it, shooting turkeys in the valley? What is it, yeah. Fish in a barrel, thank you. Turkeys in the valley. Turkeys in the valley, that's, that's my name. <laughs> I totally got a lot of country things. Fish in a barrel. Turkeys in the valley. That's a new one. We're starting a new one today. There's a lot of Markisms out there. Listen. Verse 20 says this. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. See, the old you died with Christ. Jesus actually died on the cross. The old you died with him. It's not still there. It's not hanging around. It's not trying to talk to you. Why do I struggle, Pastor? Because you have a flesh that's yet to be redeemed. He says, this life which I now live in the flesh. We don't have an old man. We have a flesh we're dealing with. This life which I live in the flesh, I live by the power of the Son of God. See, the new you gets life from Christ. And you experience it as you walk in faith. That life is there. We have it. It's expressed as we choose faith. And so remember, if righteousness comes through the law or works, then Christ died needlessly. Because all we got to do is just clean up our act. Get your act together. What are we saying if we believe our righteousness is determined by what we do? What are we saying? Well, what you're saying is that Jesus is not enough. Realize when you were saved, you were truly changed, folks. It's true. It's absolutely true. Those things you think bind you up are not real. Now, let me address this one for just a minute. There are some things in this world that cause physical addictions to our our body. And the body has withdrawals and it has needs and things like that, but this body's fallen. And those things war in our mind. But I'll tell you this, in Christ, if you'll walk in faith, He will set you free from those things. Even those things. Because the body's a big draw. Listen, I'll give you 
Anybody addicted to that little white powdered stuff in here? Sugar? <laughs> what are y'all thinking about? Y'all give me the same look at the same. Powdered donuts. And we like sugar, don't we? Yeah, roll me out some donuts and some crullers and put a little cinnamon in there and some cakes and some pies and I think it's time for another potluck. Just as a side note. Alright, so be uncompromising about salvation by faith. If you compromise it, I want you to realize something. If you compromise it, you'll be communicating a false gospel. If we compromise the gospel, we're going to be communicating a false gospel. If we add the law to the gospel, then we're telling the world Jesus is not enough. If people believe this, then they're not saved. If they believe there's something they have to do to be saved other than receive Him by faith. Even the verse Don read this morning out of Acts talked about if you believe you'll be saved. They're not saved. We must communicate the truth of the gospel. That's our calling. But I don't know what to say and I don't know and I, and I'm, and I get nervous. You ever get nervous when you feel like conversation about religion coming on? Anybody beside me? <laughs> You get nervous? Yes, I get nervous. My stomach goes, and I'm like, shh. So you do it anyway. And you know what happens when I share the gospel? The Holy Spirit's there for one. Sometimes I get, wham! The door in my face. Other times, I get, you know, let me think about that. That's interesting. And I appreciate you coming by. It's so good of you. And then there's people that go, you know, I've been thinking about that. I think maybe the Lord has sent you here today. How can I be saved? I actually had somebody tell me once, why has nobody told me this? It gives me goosebumps when I think about it. They're out there, folks. The Holy Spirit is at work. We think this world has gone to hell in a handbasket, and it's going to, but He's at work. The Holy Spirit is working. Don't compromise the gospel ever, ever. I would rather have less people who are genuine about seeking the truth in the Lord than to fill this place with people who don't know Him. Our call is to go out. Well, people say, well, what about the seekers? The Bible says there's none that seeks after me. No, not one. I love that conversation because it's unbiblical. People aren't seeking after him. The darkness hates the light. It goes away from the light. We are to, call, we are to go and carry the gospel to them. And the Holy Spirit has been working in their life. They shouldn't have to come seek us out. Because we're hiding in our room. We ought to be going, ladies and gentlemen. There's people you know that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ this week. And they're going to slip through our fingers if we don't take the opportunity. How many of you would love it if somebody would go present the gospel to somebody in your family you've been praying for? Right? Maybe we're the answer to their prayer. 
It's time to break down and quit listening to fear. Fear does not come from the Lord. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love and power and joy. And we need to listen to that and follow him instead of all this other garbage. Let's not communicate a false gospel. Let's share the truth. Be uncompromising. If you compromise it, you're going to live under a false belief that you're accepted and rejected based on what you do. How then is salvation any different than believing that you can earn your way into heaven by good works? Let me tell you something. There ain't enough good works I could do to outweigh all the bad I've ever done or thought. There used to be an old, this is an old, how many of you ever been trained in EE? Remember EE, anybody? Evangelism Explosion? It actually came out of the Presbyterian Church, D. James Kennedy down in Florida. And he used to use this illustration, I think it's a really good one, about works, salvation. It's a hot day, 106 out, we can relate. We've been outside, we're exhausted. I set two glasses of ice water, there's... Sweat beads gathering on the side starting to run down. How many of you just got thirsty? <laughs> and you watch me the whole time. And I take out this, this bottle that I ordered online. It's got cyanide written on the side of it. And I take a pinch of it and I put it in one of the glasses. How many of you would say that glass is acceptable to drink? But the water, there's more water than there is cyanide in it. The good weighs out, outweighs the bad. But it's not acceptable to you, and yet we think that's acceptable to God. We're so hypocritical, it's amazing to me. That's why God has to clean us up, ladies and gentlemen. That's why justification is by faith and not by works. Because you could never do it. Because He wants you to have real hope and real life. And discovered the actual works that he prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So if you compromise it, you're never going to understand the beauty of your salvation and the freedom of true forgiveness. Because true forgiveness lets it all go. It doesn't say, well, I'm going to forgive you like for 80%, but I'm really going to hold on to this other. You got to work that off. We would never say that, but we act that way. We never live in that freedom and in that joy. Listen, if you grasp just that, your heart is going to come is going to become lighter. The weight of sin coming off of you. Wouldn't it be sad to miss out on all God did for you when He saved you? Wouldn't that be sad to get to heaven and find out everything you missed out on? Because of false belief. You know, I was <laughs> reading this story about this hunter. It was winter time and he was going out to hunt bear because he was cold and he wanted a, a new coat. And so he saw this bear coming. And he raised his gun up and he took aim. <laughs> and the bear said, Wait! 
he was taken back by a talking bear, as any of us would be. And the bear said, what? Why are you trying to shoot me? He said, because I'm cold. And I need a coat. And the bear said, well, I'm hungry. Maybe there's some negotiation we could have here. And by the end of it, the hunter was well enveloped in the, birth, the bear's fur, and the bear had eaten his dinner. <laughs> Be careful with compromise, it may bite you in the end. Be careful with compromise, it may bite you in the end. Listen, be uncompromising about your faith and be uncompromising about Jesus Christ. Unless everybody bow their head and close their eyes.